Good morning and welcome to Current Radio. It's Sunday, December 24th. Today we'll be discussing how Donald Trump is urging a federal appeals court to grant him immunity from criminal prosecution and how a new way to vote is gaining traction in states, potentially transforming U.S. politics. Plus, we'll delve into how the crypto industry is stepping up political donations as the mood in Washington sours. And we have news from the Pentagon about a chemical tanker struck by an Iranian drone in the Indian Ocean. This coverage and more, up next. Welcome to Current Radio's Politics Station. Please enjoy today's selection of political news. In a recent development, former President Donald Trump has urged a federal appeals court to dismiss the election subversion case against him, citing presidential immunity. To help us understand the implications of this, we have Abby, our correspondent for Current Radio, Abby, can you break down what's happening here? Absolutely, Michael. So Trump's lawyers are arguing that his actions to ensure election integrity during his time as president, which allegedly included undermining the 2020 election results, are protected under presidential immunity. They assert that his indictment is unconstitutional because presidents cannot be criminally prosecuted for official acts unless they are impeached and convicted by the Senate. So what does this mean for the case? What's the next step? Well, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals is currently considering Trump's request. This comes after the Supreme Court refused to expedite the case as requested by special counsel Jack Smith. The appeals court is set to hear oral arguments on January 9th. Meanwhile, District Judge Tanya Chutkin, who is overseeing the criminal case, has temporarily paused all procedural deadlines while the appeal is in process. And what has been the response to Trump's claim of immunity? Judge Chutkin rejected Trump's immunity claims, stating that his four-year service as commander-in-chief did not bestow on him the divine right of kings to evade the criminal accountability that governs his fellow citizens. She also dismissed arguments that the criminal indictment should be thrown out because Trump was working to ensure election integrity. As part of his official capacity as president when he allegedly undermined the 2020 election results. This is a complex issue with far-reaching implications. Can you provide some context on the concept of presidential immunity and how it's been interpreted in the past? Presidential immunity is a legal doctrine that suggests that the president cannot be sued or prosecuted for actions taken while in office. However, the extent and limits of this immunity are not clearly defined in the Constitution and have been a subject of legal debate. The Supreme Court has ruled in the past that the president has absolute immunity from civil lawsuits seeking damages for presidential actions but it's less clear when it comes to criminal charges, especially after the president has left office. The argument Trump's lawyers are making is a broad interpretation of this immunity. It's a fascinating and contentious topic. Thanks for the insights, Abby. Now shifting our focus to politics, in the midst of growing political polarization, a new voting system is gaining traction in several states. This system known as ranked choice voting, or RCV, coupled with a new system for primaries known as Final Five, is said to deliver fairer outcomes that better reflect the will of voters. Abby, can you walk us through this? Absolutely, Michael. Ranked choice voting is a system where voters rank multiple candidates in order of preference. If no candidate wins a majority of first place votes, the candidate who finished last is eliminated and their supporters' second place votes are allocated. This process continues until a candidate gains a majority and is declared the winner. The final five system, on the other hand, advances multiple candidates, regardless of party, to the general election. Interesting. 
So how do these systems influence the political climate? Well, the idea is that these systems encourage candidates and elected officials to prioritize conciliation and compromise. They aim to create a government focused not on partisan point scoring, but on delivering tangible results that improve voters' lives. Alaska, the only state currently using RCV plus Final Four or Final Five, appears to be seeing some benefits to its political culture already. Can you give us some examples of these benefits? Certainly. After years of partisan rancor, both legislative chambers in Alaska are now controlled by bipartisan majorities, eager to find common ground and respond to the needs of voters. The system also seems to be boosting opportunities for underrepresented groups. More women ran in Alaska in 2022 than in the five previous cycles combined. That's quite impressive. But I understand there's been some backlash to these reforms. Yes, there has. Several Republican-led states have banned RCV in recent years. Critics argue that it would confuse voters and further reduce confidence in election results. Some even see it as a progressive plot. However, advocates argue that the system can produce a wide range of outcomes and is not inherently biased towards any political leaning. So it seems like this is a complex issue with strong arguments on both sides. What's the future looking like for these reforms? It's hard to say for certain, but momentum seems to be growing. Last year, Nevada voters approved a constitutional amendment that would create an RCV plus Final Five system. Efforts are also underway to get RCV plus Final Five on Arizona's 2024 ballot and RCV plus Final Four in Colorado and Idaho. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Indeed, it will be interesting to see how these reforms evolve and what impact they might have on the future of American politics. Thanks for the insights, Abby. Now, let's pivot to finance, specifically the crypto industry, which is ramping up its political donations as the mood in Washington grows increasingly hostile towards cryptocurrencies. Abby, our financial correspondent, is here to shed some light on this development. Abby, what's going on? Thanks, Michael. Indeed, the crypto industry is stepping up its game in Washington. As regulatory scrutiny intensifies, companies and individuals in the crypto space are increasing their political donations. They're trying to influence policy and legislation that could significantly impact the future of cryptocurrencies. So are we seeing a significant increase in these donations and who are the main recipients? While the article doesn't provide specific numbers, it does suggest a noticeable uptick in donations. The recipients are likely to be politicians who have shown an understanding or openness towards cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology. It's a strategic move to build relationships and gain allies in the political arena. What's the sentiment in Washington towards cryptocurrencies at the moment, and why is the industry concerned? There's a growing concern in Washington about the potential risks associated with cryptocurrencies, such as their use in illegal activities and the lack of consumer protections. Additionally, there's a lack of understanding about the technology itself, which can lead to misguided regulations. The industry is worried that stringent regulations could stifle innovation and growth in this burgeoning sector. So it seems like this is a critical time for the crypto industry. What could be the potential implications of these political donations? Political donations can certainly help the industry gain a voice in the policymaking process. However, there's also a risk of backlash if the public perceives these donations as attempts to buy influence. It's a delicate balancing act. The industry needs to ensure it's not just lobbying for its interests, but also educating lawmakers about the technology and its potential benefits. It's a fascinating development in the ongoing saga of cryptocurrencies. Thanks for the insights, Abby. Now, on a more serious note, 
A chemical tanker operating in the Indian Ocean was recently hit by an Iranian attack drone, marking the seventh such attack on commercial shipping since 2021. Abby, our international affairs correspondent, is here to delve into the details. Abby, what can you tell us about this incident? Well, Michael, the vessel in question, the Chem Pluto, was struck by what's known as a one-way attack drone. This type of drone is designed to impact its target and not return to its origin. The attack took place 200 nautical miles from the coast of India. Thankfully, there were no casualties, and a fire that broke out on the tanker has been extinguished. And what do we know about the crew on board the vessel at the time of the attack? India's Coast Guard reported that there were 20 Indian crew members and one Vietnamese on board at the time of the attack. After the incident, the Coast Guard dispatched a patrol vessel and a maritime surveillance aircraft. The vessel has since started making its way toward Mumbai, escorted by the patrol vessel. This attack seems to be part of a larger pattern of incidents in the region. Can you provide some context? Absolutely, Michael. This attack comes amidst a series of strikes by Iran-backed Houthi rebels in Yemen. Over the past four weeks, they've launched more than 100 attacks against commercial and merchant ships transiting the Red Sea. The U.S. Central Command reported more such incidents just this Saturday. The U.S. has recently released newly declassified intelligence suggesting Iran's deep involvement in planning these operations. What is the U.S. doing in response to these escalating tensions? In response, the U.S. has launched Operation Prosperity Guardian, a maritime coalition aimed at enhancing security in the Southern Red Sea. More than 20 nations have signed on to the initiative so far, according to the Pentagon. This is a clear attempt to curb these attacks and ensure the safety of commercial vessels in the region. It's a concerning situation, and we'll be keeping a close eye on developments. Thanks for the insights, Abby. And with that, we conclude our stories for today, but don't worry. Current Radio will be back tomorrow with more updates.